South East Radio's Morning Mix. South East Radio. Good morning, Alan, and good morning again to all your listeners. Ben, you and I have met and spoken on so many occasions. You were an absolute trooper during a recent run for Wexford Marine Watch. But you started to text me quite regularly over the festive period and indeed in within the last number of weeks because your beloved husband, Joe, has been through a, a rough time. Would you like to share the story with us? Um, I can start the story, Alan, back in November where Joe would have presented to his local GP with um, a cold, a flu, only to be dismissed and told, sent home, there was nothing wrong. He went back in the following week, got an antibiotic. I could say all over Christmas, Joe struggled. Um, he struggled with what we would have thought was possibly a little bit of depression. That was fine. We got over Christmas. We struggled. Um, things worsened over Christmas. Joe would have had all the signs of what I would have thought and what we all would have thought was possibly Alzheimer's. But then we talk among ourselves that if it was Alzheimer's, it was very fast and very a very fast onset. But unfortunately, January the 8th, our nightmare really started with Joe. Um, Joe's condition worsened. And um, I spent the morning, that Monday morning, on the phone. And I rang and I begged everybody that I rang, trying to get some class of help for Joe, with all to no avail. The only bit of information that I did get from Wexford Mental Health here in Wexford was present Joe to a hospital uh, outpatient psychiatric, which I did at five o'clock. And from there, our F- journey. F- five o'clock in the morning or the evening? No, five o'clock in the evening. The evening okay. And from there, I can honestly say, Alan, our journey really began. In fairness, a psych doctor assessed Joe for well over an hour, took me out of the room and said, this is not depression, this is not Alzheimer's, this is not dementia. This is a clear case of delirium psychosis, which is secondary to an underlying infection. My heart jumped for joy. If it was Alzheimer's or whatever it was, we were going to go the road with Joe anyway. We would have taken it on board. We were then handed over to medical um, we were processed and about 15 hours later, Joe would have got a bed. Things seemed to go fast because about an hour later, there was a team of medical doctors and all. And um, from then on, it was just one battle after another. I was asked one night at 12 o'clock, did I realise how seriously ill that Joe was? And I said, I did. I'm here by his bedside every day for the last two weeks. And the person in question said, you do realise it's a bleed on the brain? And I said, no. I said, that's been ruled out. Well, he said, that's what's charted. That's what I'm dealing with. That's what he's been dealt, or that's what he's been treated for. We were told it was meningitis. We were told it was viral infection, fungal infection, bacterial infection. We were told it might never find out what was wrong. We were told it was a urinary tract infection. Joe would have had a valve replacement about 12 years ago. We were told um, it could be... No, we were told it was blood blocking the valve and the valve wasn't working properly. But after that being said to us, or before that was said to us, a heart doctor had been in and given Joe a clean bill of health with the valve replacement. No matter what we were told, Alan, you get your hopes built up and then to be shattered again. There was never a constant 
same face person in and out to Joe. That was two weeks down the line. Joe's mental health was really taken, uh, battling through all this. And I know Joe for over 40 years. And I knew that he was suffering mentally, Alan. Two weeks down the line, we begged for psychiatric intervention. And for some reason, the medical team that were looking after him were not prepared to hand him over to psychiatric. Two weeks later down the line, his, psychi- or his medical consultant appeared and we had started to make waves and started to shout. And Deirdre would have got a phone call. And the phone call was, stop back with your complaints. Um, I've been away for two weeks. Everyone is entitled to a holiday and I'm not responsible for the care your father has got for the last two weeks. Uh, and you've chosen not to identify the hospital. But I'm not identifying but, the but, hospital. But it, but it is not in Wexford. It's that? not in Wexford. Okay. And out of respect for the hospital, because Joe would have got medical care above and beyond what was needed. But what was said to me by staff members, one, med- one team of doctors will not go on another team's prognosis. Two weeks ago, five weeks ago, Joe was diagnosed with delirium psychosis. Joe was locked in a psychotic episode. First, it started that the house was gambled and he had lost 500,000. Then it escalated that, um, it escalated that he was going to be skinned alive, put in a cage and taken to the mental farm and left there to die. This is what he was saying to you? This is what we listened to as a family. Sometimes 12, 13 hours a day, over and over and over again. When this this is your husband who only recently had a, had a 70th birthday and uh, uh, he, he never showed any signs like, like this before. No. Joel Doyle wouldn't harm a fly, Alan. If there was yeah. a spider in the house, Joel would pick it up and put it out the front door. I'll flush it down the toilet. Right. Joel never raised his hand to me. It was a constant battle to get in and out of the hospital. Okay. The minute you go down... Oh, good God, I rang you and told you not to come down here today because now you're going to die with me. Paul flew home from England four weeks ago and we all thought... Paul is your son. Yeah, we all thought this is going to give Joe a bit of excitement and pick him up. Paul walked into the hospital ward and Joe just lay motionless in the bed. And the words he said to Paul were, Paul, your mother is a horrible person for dragging you into this because now you're going to die the same as all of us. It was just in his head. Then it progressed that the whole of Ireland were outside this particular hospital waiting for him and they were going to take him to the mental farm. We eventually, with the love and support of Deirdre and her husband David, we eventually got Joe outside. By this time he had started his medication for his psychosis and um, we built up his... Joe didn't move outside the ward for three weeks. This was acceptable behaviour for no matter who I spoke to. I was exp- staff saw I was bruised, I was battered, I was pulled. I was caged in the ward that I couldn't leave. Staff saw this going on and I was still shouting for his mental health to be addressed. Because, had, he, had he got physical with you? He had, Alan. Something yeah. that Joe I would never do. Okay. I accept that. That wasn't Joe. That was part of Joe's illness. 
we got Joe out and we got him outside. He had the confidence to walk and we got him outside. And one lovely other patient that was in that ward saw the struggle I was having one Friday night and he said, gosh, what's wrong? And I said, look, I said, it's his illness. I'm trying to get him out. And he came over and he spoke to him and he said, gosh, he said, what's going on here? And Joe said, do you see those hundreds of thousands of people there? Joe could actually see him. And he said, oh, now, come on, he said, you know where you are. You won't get that crowd at a Harlan match. And I thought to mention a Harlan would have pulled Joe back. But the minute Joe, got, that man actually took him for a few paces of a walk and he said, look, I'm out here every night. He said, at six o'clock, I'll take him every night. But it didn't work. The minute Joe got back to the war, Joe couldn't get back to the war quick enough that night. And the first thing he said was, did you not see those hundreds of thousands waiting right. to take me away? So we can fast forward then, Alan, to... Now this is uh, week what at this stage? Because this is about week three. How many weeks, just remind us, how many weeks are you dealing with this? Five weeks. This is the fifth week, yeah. Um, we'll fast forward to last week. No, Bank Holiday Monday, Deirdre arrived down with his five beautiful grandchildren and he spent a beautiful afternoon with him. Yeah. His sister Maureen and the husband game. And it was a lovely, fun afternoon. Joe hadn't seen the five girls who we idolise. And I had always said through all this, Laney is the favourite. Yeah. And he'd always made it clear Laney's his favourite. Dear to have lost the battle trying to say you can't have favourites. <laughs> and we had, I had said all along, if anyone can pull him back, Laney can. To just have a bond like Deirdre does with yeah. her dad that no one will break. He went back to the ward and that was fine. Yeah. Thursday then, I went down and... The minute I walked in, I knew Joe had slipped back enormously. Okay. He was back now again to the bit of a violent streak, aggressiveness. Joe was so agitated. Joe had a hole in his head from just picking it constantly. That's practically healed. I knew on Thursday that I was in trouble again. Things weren't right. I went out and I said, there's something wrong. Joe's really off. As it so happened, he had refused his medication. This was about 11 o'clock. He was due to get the medication, I think about eight. And even with the medication, Joe hadn't settled. And he got out of the bed and I heard a plastic container, the medication comes in, rattle on the floor. And I just said, mm, okay, I'll have a look. And here I found Joe had been not taking his medication. Right. So I just went out and I said to the nurses, I said, how in the name of God is anyone expected to get well? There's the medication. And I said, can you show me his chart? That had been charted, that he had taken it. There was another incident. Um, he was to go for an MRI and I insisted he had to be medicated because Joe was so agitated. There's no way he'd been able to sit through um, an MRI. After shouting loud enough, in fairness, Joe was taken for an MRI one Monday morning. I missed him by about 10 minutes, but he came back because he was so agitated they couldn't do yeah. it. That put him back. That was his spot gone. Towards the week last, he was taken for an MRI. There was a needle inserted to sedate him. I went down. That was still in his hand on Thursday night when I left. I went down Friday morning and the needle was gone and Deirdre would come down every evening and she said, gosh, what's that? Joe had actually pulled the needle out and it was left huh. in the locker. That was charted, that it was removed mm -hmm. by a member of staff, but right. the needle was there. I'm not, I'm not here to talk and knock any medical staff. I saw how hard nurses and carers 
caterers, everybody work in this particular hospital, Alan. I remember going down to the nurse's station one night to ask a question. I don't even know what the question was. And there was a nurse sitting there just rubbing the eyes out of her head from sheer tiredness and frustration. It's the system, Alan. The pressure. It's the pressure everybody works under. And it's the yeah. pressure that the loved ones of people that are in... And, and you, I mean, you, and I said it at the start of this interview, you, you've dealt with real life human situations, both with Marine Watch. How many tours of duty have you done for Marine Watch as a matter of interest? It's over a thousand hours, a thousand. I think. Okay. Yeah. And with St. Vincent de Paul. So it's not as if you're not afraid to, to put your shoulder to the wheel, as the fella says. What happened next, Ben? Thor's the last, Alan. I said I needed to take Joe home. I had to get him home. I knew, f I didn't know. I was hoping familiar surroundings would pull Joe back. In fairness, the medical team had signed off mm. two weeks ago, but he was still on a medical ward. I had started begging that he be moved to a psychiatric ward. I thought maybe, I, I don't know, I, maybe I was looking for a miracle. Thursday, I insisted I was signing Joe out at my own risk. It all went pear-shaped because Joe was getting more agitated as the day went on. Again, Deirdre was liaison with a complaints manager and Joe's medical consultant appeared, but um, they actually took too long to write a letter or to get a letter. And I was standing with Joe ready, packed and ready to go. And um, Joe was getting very agitated. Security was called again place went on lockdown and I just said look I'm out of here and I just walked out and left Joe there in the meantime Deirdre had come down he had then been moved to a private ward at this stage the lights and everything was affecting Joe and Joe was in a corner in a ward with the curtains pulled for no reason other than the fact the lights were killing his eyes and we kept saying that the lights are killing his eyes it was so noisy he was never going to get well in the, and it's no disrespect a hospital is a noisy place anyway. Mm. But the condition that Joe found himself in, he really needed peace and quiet. And yeah. that was said to me on several occasions. That's just me. That's just not me speaking. That was pointed out to me several times. He's not in the ideal the ideal environment. But anyway, Deirdre went down Thursday night. He was then in a private room with no lights and all, and he settled without medication. Through all this, Alan, I was on my bended knees one night in front of a bend... No, one afternoon in front of a medical doctor. And I was like a dog begging because Joe hadn't slept since early December, even at home. And I was begging like a dog that he be sedated at night time just to give him sleep. Joe wasn't sleeping at night time, even though it was charted in his chart that Joe was sleeping every night. We know for a fact he wasn't because Joe had his mobile phone and the phone calls would start from 12 o'clock constantly through the night. And is that still happening? Or is no, still he's at home now, Alan. <laughs> but that was still happening up to the night. So he was ringing you and Ringing me. And sometimes he'd be fine, he'd be talking normal, and other times he'd be saying, they're coming to take me away, I'm going to die now, I'm just ringing to say goodbye, or don't come down here, because you'll die with me. And that was constant. Friday morning, no, Thursday, last Thursday was horrendous, because at this stage, social workers and everything were called to me. I was called to four different meetings, and no matter what was said to me, and I wasn't being smart, but I had an answer for everything. I had been through the system for five weeks. Nothing they could say to me was going to change my mind. We met a psychiatric consultant, psychiatric, or the medical consultant. We were still adamant we were taking Joe home. Right. All of a sudden, he was being given his um, medication to come home. 
they gave us three options. One was to put him in the psychiatric ward. And I said, that's not an option to us at this stage because I had asked, I had begged for that two or three weeks ago. I don't know what the other two were. Or to stay on the ward and to leave it until the weekend. I know if I had to have left Joe the weekend, Alan. Mm. I don't know. He was deteriorating so fast. At one stage to all this, Alan, Joe had taken a knife after the breakfast one morning to say he was going to cut his heart out to make it easier for the mob outside. Joe was never going to do it. But again, that was acceptable behaviour. I got a phone call on the way down. Are you on the way down? There's been an incident with a knife. And I had to continue my journey until I got down. That morning there was security there and I said, are you there for Joe? And he said, yes, but he said, you've no fear, that man. He said, he's not going to do anything. He said, there was an incident with a knife. Still, Joe was left on a medical ward. He was still to them a medical patient. Even though I think at this stage, maybe the medical team had signed off two weeks ago. All they were giving him was Exputex. I could have given him that at home. Joe's home now, Alan, since last Friday. We signed him out and he sat in Deirdre's car and the first words he said was, is this for real or am I dreaming? Am I actually going home? I know I took him out at my own risk, but I know Joe's not going to hurt a hair on my head. He never has in 40 years, Alan. How did you know, Ben? Last night was rough. <laughs> Not rough. It was a bit of a slip back. He's on, he's taking his medication every day. We have backup support here in Wexford. They actually contacted me yesterday. I haven't made contact with him yet. Um, yesterday was great. Um, I know there's going to be up days, bad days. Joe could pull out of this, Alan, today, tomorrow, next week. Yeah. No matter what length it is, we're there as a family, as a support for him. No matter how rough it gets. We're there. Joe's never going to harm a head, a hair on my head. Mm. He paced the house last night. Um, he's going to die. Um, they're going to take the house. By the time I left this morning, Joe was in great form, you know. Okay. And uh, have you been told with this delirium when he'll snap out of it or when he'll come out of it? <sighs> the first time he started medication, I was given hope. I was told I'd see, um, yeah. I'd see a difference in 24 hours. We do see a difference. Yeah. There is a difference, Alan. Joe's himself. Yeah. And then he can slip back again. You have shed tears. You've come into studio to talk to me this morning and Deirdre has supported you and she's and I, ex- uh, I respect her request not to speak today, but she's here supporting you. The family is supporting your dad, or her dad and, and your husband, Joe. What would you like to say by way of conclusion, Ben? If anybody has a loved one in the medical system, fight from it's the system Alan that's broken I had a young doctor that was treating Joe and he knew that I was shouting the loudest and he said to me he had actually come from another hospital but he said the system in this hospital is so broken I had nurses say to me people are talking about you and I said oh gosh that's all I need somebody talking about me and they said no they admire your strength and they admire your courage because the only thing you get anything done is by shouting Parik Murphy your good friend was absolutely instrumental in all this even when Joe got home Deirdre has a fantastic friend 
who was a nurse, who was just unbelievable to us. And without that support, without friends, without neighbours, not everybody knew Joe was in hospital for five weeks. Because I just, it's not that I cut myself off. I just seemed to be just driving to a hospital, sitting there 12, 14 hours a day, driving back home. And it's like the song, but how did I get here? You don't know how you arrived back home, but you did. And you're up again then to start the journey. There was mornings. I started the journey at six o'clock in the morning to be there. But we've Joe home, Alan, and we're hopeful he'll make a full recovery. And that's it. A message of hope. You're hopeful. We're very hopeful and very optimistic. No matter what the days throw, we're there as a family unit. Um, David, the five girls, Paul is to be home in a few days. He'll carry the load for a bit. And I know we'll make it. And Joe will be back smiling. Southeast Radio's Morning Mix. Southeast Radio.